Today is a day of passage. Today is a day of going through, not standing on the shore wondering what it would be like to go to the other side, but today's a day that we actually cross through. And I believe some of you today, prophetically stepping out, doing uh, what, what the Lord said we were supposed to do, you being willing to do that was a passage of going in to saying, you know what, I'm not just going to stand on this side wishing and wondering and hoping what it is like on that side. You know, that's the thing of passing through, of going over, of, of passing through what has been an obstacle. What I found many, many times in the life of the believer is this, as much as I don't want to be on this side, you know what this side is? It's familiar. I'm tired of being on this side. I'm tired of things looking like they always look, but I'm afraid. That's why it was so prophetic when we said, I'm, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because familiar, I've seen this in people who've been in addictive behaviors. I've seen this in people who've been in abusive behavior. They don't want to be in the situation they're in, but they're afraid of what it would be like to be a... They can't even wrap their minds around what it would be like to be free. They can't wrap their mind As much as they hate being bound in fear in uh, abuse or, or whatever it is, addiction, as much as they hate it. They wake up and they hate it. They hate what's going on in their life, but they're afraid to pass through. And Jesus has parted it. On the cross, when he said it's finished, he made a way where there used to not be a way. We, we do not need another man to intercede for us. I'm not saying intercessory prayer is not important. But we have one interceding for us in heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. He said he sits at the right hand of the Father ever to make intercession for us. So intercession on this side is partnering with the intercessor and what he's already said and making agreement with him so we can see it on earth. Prayer is important. Intercessory prayer here is important. But what I'm saying is, is we don't have to have a mediator like they used to. We, don't have, we have a high priest seated in the heavenlies, the man, Christ Jesus. He's our intercessor, our mediator, our go-between. So when, when he said it is finished, he made a way. And see, the beauty of what happened this morning in here is this, is that God may have given you a word just of encouragement. You may not even have thought it was a prophetic word to help somebody to know that you're not passing through alone. That Jesus sees you and you're not passing through alone. Yes, you're going into a place you've never been before. I'm... <laughs> I think of the children of Israel, and I think of Joshua and Caleb. I've been meditating on them here lately, especially uh, Joshua, because in Joshua 1.8, he talked about this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate therein day and night. But Joshua and Caleb were the ones who had the good report. They said, we're well able. God's prepared this land for us. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. We're well able to go get what God's already given us. Come on. We're well able. We just have to go possess what he's already given us. We need ink in the, in the printer. <clears throat> and we're going to possess it in Jesus' name. See, I told you. It's how easy it is. Just that easy. God has already made the way. And when we are willing to be the body and to encourage one another, what we're saying is, look, this journey you're on, you're not alone. God's ahead of you. He's seen you. Again, the beauty of God having giants in the land that they were to possess. The first one 
the, uh, the Canaan land, when he said, you go possess Canaan land, he said, but there's giants in there. God's intention wasn't for them to walk around Jericho's wall, for, walk in the wilderness for 40 years, and then Jericho's wall. He knew they had to keep their mouth shut to get him where he needed to go because of what had happened before. But he said, there's giants in there. He said, yep, this is tautology, okay? My paraphrased version. He said, yep, I use them to build the houses I think I want you to have. If it had been midgets, how uncomfortable would that have been? Come into my world. Come on. I mean, if there would have been midgets in the land, they would have been, they're midgets. We're big. They're like grasshoppers in our sight. We can do this. I'm not, I don't have a problem with midgets, okay? If you want to be offended, you can be offended, but I'm not giving it out. But it would, they would have been uncomfortable. How you doing? Good. How are you today? Good. Don't stand up fast when you wake up. It hurts. Right? So it's my world. And you're just captive in it right now. <laughs> he used giants to build the land, to plant. Can you imagine what their gardens were like? Come on, somebody. He said their grapes had to be carried on a staff between two people. Come on, Jesus. I want a grape. <laughs> He's so good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And that's what the Lord has been teaching me, is that many times the, it, the giant that it looks like that's in front of me is just how big what he has prepared for me is. And I can get fixated on the giant instead of the provision that he used the giant to make. That's a, that's a good word right there. Amen. That blessed me right there. Whoo, Jesus. <laughs> And he's saying, I want you to see me. I want your eyes. See, here's my heart today. I want you to understand, if you're wondering what I want to say to you today, this is it right here. You can tune out after this, all right? Please don't. But this is it. I want you individually to see Jesus. Because as we get a glimpse of Jesus... No matter what we're doing, no matter what job we're doing, no matter where we are, when we see him, then we can see him in others so we can speak to him in others. We don't speak at people. We speak to Jesus in people. Well, they're not even saved. That guy's, he's this or he's that or that girl, she's this or that, she's that. Yeah, but they were created wonderfully and fearfully. And he said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. So when we see Jesus, we can see him in others, whether they're young or whether they're old. When we can identify and say, man, there's gold in them that Jesus wants to be drawn out. And I can identify that gold. You know, it's easy to see dirt. There's no companies that mine for dirt. They mine for gold in the dirt. I can't say there's not any companies. They're not companies that make a lot of profit. But when you dig through the dirt and find the gold, and that's what God's saying. I, I'm looking for, for miners, not miners, young people, miners that dig past the dirt to see the gold. You know, as, as we were in worship, one of the things that, as we were there, and he had spoken to my heart about Isaiah 40, 
and then he spoke to me, Matthew 16, and I've shared this not too long ago, but I think it's, it's paramount because I said, what I want you to get is I want you to, see, here's, um, uh, this week in, in prayer with the pastors that we pray with here in town, I, we collectively prayed, and I said, my, here's my heart. It's not to teach another message. I love to teach. I love to preach. I enjoy it. I know when I'm doing this, I know I'm doing what God's called me to do. My day could have been, my week could have been like rough, crawling on nails and broken glass and all that. But when I get here and I get in this spot and I allow him to speak to me and me to give what he's saying, it's the honey. It's the sweet spot. Everything else fades into the distance. And everything else I've walked through to get here, it's gone. Now, sometimes I walk out of here and I walk back into that. That's just the reality of life. But to be here is that place of being with him and knowing that this is what he said that you're supposed to be doing right now. It's when I can come and I can see him. And my heart's desire as a pastor, as I was telling these pastors this week, is not to just teach and not just to be able to stand in front of people. It's to, it's to awaken people, to awaken us. To, re- to the reality of Christ in us and us in Christ. To awaken us to the reality that we're not here alone, that we're living with a loving Savior who desires every day to walk with us, not just hand in hand. It's more intimate than that. Not just pancake or waffle. It's more intimate than that. He desires to walk with us. So we're never alone. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. My heart's desire in this generation, if it's ever been needed, is that we, I don't even have words to articulate what I'm trying to say, not just introduce, but uh, emulate, live Jesus, to walk in such a place that we don't come to church, listen to me, to get something. And I've said this before, but we come to church and we're walking in communion with him. So when we come to church, we know that we're going to receive. You know how we know we're going to receive? Because we're going to give. He said, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give in your bosom. So when I come in with the mentality, not that I'm shriveled and dried up and I've just got to have a word, just one drop on my toe because I'm parched. But we come in, and we're overflowing because we've been with him. Not just last week, but imagine this. Even on Sunday morning, we spend time with Jesus before we come to church. Come on, shut the front door. That we spend time with Jesus, and we're in intimate relationship with Jesus. So when we come, yes, we will receive. But we come not to get, but to give. You know what that is? That's relationship. Not just with him, but with one another. And, and Matthew 16, here, here's, this wasn't in my notes. Really haven't even looked at those yet. <laughs> just so you know. So I don't know when I'm closing. <laughs> just so you know. Because <laughs> I don't know where I'm starting. I'm opening up. I got to know where I open for. I know where to close. Just kidding. Matthew 16, uh, Jesus had just been talking to them and telling them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, of their mindsets and their way of thinking. 
And then in verse 13, he said this, when, he came, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, see, this is what teaching will do for you. This is why I said, I'm, my desire is not to teach as much as I love to teach. Here's what teaching will do to you. And to lay the background, don't let me forget that I'm in verse 14. This week, one of the pastors said this. They talked about the road to Emmaus. You familiar with that? Road to Emmaus. There's two disciples. They're walking to Emmaus, and, and they're talking, and Jesus shows up. And he goes, hey, guys, what's wrong? You know what they did? They taught Jesus what they knew. What are you talking about? What's going on? Are you a stranger to these parts here? Are you new? Do you, they, they killed Jesus. What do you mean, what's going on? Why do we look sad? They killed Jesus. You know what they did? They had rehearsed, regurgitated, threw up. Not trying to get to you, just trying to be real. What they had heard. What had Jesus told his, this was two of his what? Disciples right? He told his disciples in John 14, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also, right? We love to quote that at funerals, right? Right, 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 right? He talks about peace in John 14. We love to quote those things, but he was talking about the death that he would die when you study John 14 in context. He wanted them to know, I don't want you to be worried. They're go I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. These were his disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, and here's Jesus, and they couldn't even see him. And I said, God, please help me at the river that we not be a church full of disciples on the road to Emmaus. That we can recite all the good stuff that we should know about Jesus, and he could walk in the room, and we not even know he's there. Or we could live our lives like he did not resurrect from the grave. That's so easy to do. That's so easy to do. It's so easy to live your life agreeing with truth but living a lie. To say, I believe the Bible is true, but I've accepted a lie that my life is going to be this way from now on. That this thing that's happening in my life, in me physically or, or emotionally or financially, that this is the reality. This is my lot in life. So what you've done is you've agreed with truth, but believed a lie. Jesus said here in Matthew 16... Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? <clears throat> so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he turned it and he said, but who do you say that I am? So in your heart, in your mind, Right now, my, my question is this. Who do you say that Jesus is? I've had to evaluate this for some time now. I've had to evaluate <clears throat> who is Jesus, 
Not is he the son of God. No, that's settled. He's the son of God. He died. He rose again on the third day. He's resurrected, seated in heaven with power and authority. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent, which is all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He can be anywhere at any time through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's I know about him. But what does that mean to me? Who is Jesus to me? Because when we determine who Jesus is to us, it's when we face situations that look contrary to what we believed for, but we know who he is, then we can understand that, you know what, this is just something he had to part for me to go through. (laughs) But who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter who others say that Jesus is. That was the thing on the road to Emmaus. As we were talking about that Thursday morning, my heart was just, was, uh, I don't want to sound melodramatic. I don't want to go over the top, but my heart was just gripped. When I, because, you know, we spent five weeks teaching about worship, and, and worship is about who we worship, not how we worship and we talked about worship is Romans 12, 1 and 2, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice to him. That's what worship really is. It's not just a song we sing or something like that. And then last week, we, uh, week before that, before we went away on vacation, we talked about uh, John 4, 24, those that God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then last week, we started looking in Psalm 145, and we started looking in Romans 10 and and Hebrews 11 and talking about truth and talking about faith and are those things good? That's not a trick question. Yes, those are good things, but we can get so caught up in, in learning about him that we don't see him. I was getting ready this morning and I was listening uh, to worship. And it's an old Jesus Culture uh, album, CD. I don't know what to call them anymore. You don't, not a disc, they're not any of that. You just boop, download it and there it is. It's a, category, a group of songs together with a label on it. But uh, uh, Kim Walker Smith was singing that part that, that uh, I've heard Melita sing many times. I don't want to talk about you like your night in the room. I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to sing right to you. I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. The guys on the road to Emmaus had a lot of information that they could give. And I see the same thing true today in churches, in our church, all churches, in the body that there's a lot of information that we can give about who Jesus is. But I feel like today Jesus is saying, but who am I to you? Who am I to you? Because when you understand who he is to you, it'll change how you walk. It'll change how you talk. It'll change how you worship. It'll change what the word of God is to you. We won't get in it just so we can get our card punched. We won't get in it just so we can be good or spiritual or religious. We'll get in it because we understand it's him talking to me, and I have to hear his voice. The psalm says, as deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you. My soul longs for you. My soul longs 
for you, God. Nothing else will fulfill it. You know what? A miracle won't fulfill it. Supernatural provision won't fulfill it. Those are good. All they are is fruit from the vine that I'm connected to. And as I desire him above everything else, those things come and they don't go. We don't go, oh, yeah. We don't shout, dance a jig because just of the breakthrough. We, we dance the jig because of the one who is breakthrough. And because I'm connected to him. I'm connected to him. He's the one that brings the breakthrough. These are familiar passages of Scripture, and, you know, that's okay. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 25, because I want us to see Jesus. Verse 25 says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. <laughs> Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. He said, no one really knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father. What are you talking about? We want to know him, right? That's, I told you. That's, that's it. I want you to know him. Not just have relationship, been born again, but to know him. To know his heart. You with me? See, I know that Frank Martin, James Franklin Martin, Franklin, that's his real name, is my father. A good-looking fellow back there in the little sweater. He cuted. <laughs> I know that's my dad. I, I know according to birth certificate and stuff like that, he's my dad. But you know what's more important than that? I know my dad. I know what my dad loves. I know what my dad enjoys doing. And you know what else? I enjoy doing those things with my dad. I like just being there with him. There are things, you know what? There are things I'll do with my dad that I don't enjoy like I used to enjoy, but I'll do them just so I can be with my dad. <laughs> See, that's real intimacy. That's real relationship. It's not, I'm not there so that I can get a tick on my card. I'm not there so I can get a pat on the back so he can say, boy, Todd. I'm there because I like being with him. And we'll do things. We'll do things that I used to, like golf. I used to, golf was a thing with me. I've shared that before. It was an idol. I had to do it two times a week. It was the doctor's order. Um, <laughs> no, I wasn't really. Just kidding. But I would play golf two times a week. It was my thing. I had to get better. 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 And I laid that thing down and said, Jesus, it's yours. He didn't tell me I had to. He didn't tell me it was a sin that I couldn't do it anymore. I just told him it wasn't as important as he was anymore. It was never that place to my dad. Are you with me? So if you love golf, I'm, I'm not trying to throw a stumbling block out to you. There's nothing wrong with golf. Uh, but to me, it had become a thing. See, anything that becomes more important than God to you is an idol. 
It can be a person. It can be a car. It can be a hobby. It can be anything. We should always have those things before the Lord and say, all right, Lord, is this me doing this because this is what I feel like I have to do, or is this still something I can enjoy with you? And so for me, golf just kind of went, I could play if I did. And then it got to the place where I didn't even enjoy playing golf anymore. I'm thinking four and a half, five hours. I could be doing a lot of other stuff with four and a half, five hours. But my dad loves to play. And he's so good, no one else will play with him. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, dad. And he's got cool clubs. And uh, so he would say, hey, you want to go play? And for a long time, I just put him off. No, I don't want to play. Maybe another day we'll play. And the Lord just, it wasn't as, I had a visitation from Jesus or anything like that. It was just an epiphany, a, a realization that I went, man, that's my dad. And I don't have to play golf. I get to. I get to be with him. Father God wants that same thing from us. But we don't go, man, I got to go do this with Papa, Dad, God. I got to go tell somebody in Walmart that Jesus loves them. (laughs) Jesus loves you. There, you happy? I know, we don't do it exactly like that. Not externally. (laughs) Not externally. Jesus said, Father, all things have been delivered me. I mean, all things have been delivered me by my Father. This is verse 27, Matthew 11. And, and no one knows the Father except the Son, nor does anyone know the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And to the one whom the Son will reveal him. Wills to reveal him, right? Tracking with me. He said, nobody's going to know who the Father is or who the Son really is unless the Son wills to reveal him. Then he reveals his will. That's a tongue twister. No one knows the Father except whom the Son reveals. And he said, then I want to reveal something to you about who I am. He said, come to me. He didn't set limitation. He didn't say, only come if I say come, and only the ones that I put my finger on. Nope. He said, then just the ones that I, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to get into some theological debate right now. He said, come unto me. Whoa. What's the next verse? Come to me who? Well, the Father, you can only know the Father and the Son. If he chooses to reveal himself to you, then he says, come. Come to me. Who? All. All come. Just come right from where you are, not when you get to a place, right where you are. Come. Come to me. Why? All you who labor and are heavy laden... And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You know, I could preach an hour and a half right there. I won't. There's so much we can learn from that one statement. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you're under a yoke that seems hard, you know what it is? Either you've not yoked with him or you're doing your own deal, period. It doesn't mean it's not hard, but when we're yoked to him, 
Are you tracking with me? When we're yoked to him, he can make what's hard simple, or he can make it easy because we're yoked with him. It doesn't mean that it's going to take the pain away, but what he's saying is you'll never go it alone, and I'll be the one who carries the most of the weight if you'll rest in me and not try to carry it yourself. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to the choir. That's an old religious statement means I'm preaching it myself right now. Because he said, if you'll come to me and you'll rest in me, my burden's easy. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he said, but it's only when you're yoked with me. How are we yoked with him? In intimacy, in relationship, in, in time with him. <clears throat> I'm going to close. Hopefully this will be the first and the last. Um. But I want to share it because I will pick up here next week. But we talked last week about the word, and, and I'm talking about knowing Jesus. And um, I just want to read this one passage to you. Uh, John chapter 1, verses uh, 12 through, through 18. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What's he full of? John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was he who of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16, and of his fullness, we have all received. Of his what? Lack. Of his fullness, we have all received. Who is this all? To as many as received him, he gave them right to become what? Children of God. To those who believe in his name. That's what he's talking about in context. He said, and the, uh, uh, and the word became uh, flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Uh, the glory is of the only begotten of the Son, of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. John bore witness of him, cried out, saying, uh, this was he who, from whom I said, verse 16, that's where I was. And of his fullness we have all received. What have we received? Grace for grace. For the law, he said, what you've received is grace for grace, not the law. He didn't say the grace for the law. He said, no, I'm giving you grace for grace because the law came, was given through Moses. So law was given, right? It was given through Moses. But look at this. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? So Moses gave the law, but Jesus came as grace and truth. He came as grace. He came. It is who he is. Grace is not a doctrine we believe. It's a person we believe into. His name is Jesus. We saw last week about truth, and here again he says, this is who I am. I am grace, and I am truth. So when I said I want us to know him, that's the passion of my heart is to raise up a body of people who don't, who don't just know about God. We have to know about God. Knowing about God is not bad. Like I said, I know about my dad. I could tell you 
statistics about my dad, about how, how, how tall he is, about how much he weighs, about where he works, about what his hobbies are, about what his, kind of golf clubs he has. I could tell you about my, my dad. Those are facts I could tell, but I know my dad. I know beyond those superficial things that don't matter. I know what, what his heart beats for because I know him and because I spend time with him. Are you, are you tracking with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's my passion and our desire for us as a fellowship as we go forward into all that God has for us. I'm telling you, to do what he's called this body to do, it has to begin with the foundation of knowing him. Knowing him intimately, knowing him so that once we know him, as we know him and as we grow in that understanding of who he is and who we are in him, that we can step out and it's not what we have to do, it's what we get to do. Amen? That we get to serve him. We get to come together. We get to fellowship. We, we get to uh, give into ministry, into the min- missions, both financially, both physically, both emotionally, both spiritually, that when we come in, we're coming in. We come to give, not just to get. And he's promised. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And he's promised as you give... <clears throat> I'm going to give to you, pressed down, shaken together. He said, men shall give you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Running over. That's good, isn't it? That's good. 